0: Hello and welcome to episode 98 of The Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. thrilled to be joined right now by Nate Torrance. Nate is an actor and comedian who's currently starring on HBO's Hello Ladies. Nate, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today.
1: Yeah, man. It's great to be with you, bud.
0: Well, Nate, tell me, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to acting and to comedy in the first place.
1: Oh, wow. Um, you know, I I kind of always did it, you know, just in high school and stuff like that, but really it was a uh, Second City. I'm I'm originally from Ohio and uh, I was in Chicago visiting my brother um, who was, he was just working in Chicago and we went and saw Second City show and uh, it just so happened like the main stage there was uh, Tina Fey, Rachel Dratch, Horatio Sands was on ETC. It was basically everyone that then ended up, you know, taking Saturday Night Live um, about 10 years later and I just freaked out. I'd never seen like improv done before live and uh, I was going to Kent State. Uh, at the time and I finished the semester and and moved to Chicago and started taking classes and that was kind of the beginning of it for me.
0: (laughs) So did you go all through the training center at Second City?
1: Yeah, well, I went through I went through some of it. And while I was there, I would have been 19. And uh, they opened up a second city in Cleveland. Uh, And so that was obviously a little closer. And they were looking for students who would, uh, who, you know, were from the area that could then get main stage performance time. So I moved back to Cleveland and finished my training there. And then before the, the theater ever opened, I decided to move to L.A., So I never quite made it to the main stage or anything like that, but was trying my hardest on my way there. And then I ended up hooking up at Second City in Los Angeles uh, and performed there a couple times, too. So So it's kind of in the blood, I guess.
0: (laughs) How is the improv scene different in Chicago from Los Angeles?
1: Oh, it's kind of huge right now. I mean, I would say for the last like three years, improv is really getting grips more through um, UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade in uh, L.A., that really, that really has changed it into like a, a little bit more legit of, uh, you know, no dis- no disrespect to it. But Chicago, you feel like it's just kind of everything and all things. You know, like to get main stage is kind of like booking a sitcom where in L.A. you can sometimes feel like it's a little bit more um, people kind of trying to get discovered. And and that's not what they want to be doing. They want to be doing film and television. And they're, it's an afterthought. Um so, so, yeah, so I feel like Chicago still has a little bit more respect in that way as far as second cities go and improv goes um, because L.A. is just, you know, it's a film and TV town, uh, not a theater town.
0: Do you come from a theatrical or acting family? What did your parents do for a living when you were growing up?
1: No, you know my uh, my dad would be probably one of the more creative. He actually his background he 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 played bass in a band and then kind of had like this old school <laughs> this old school like Simon and Garfunkel thing. He he had like four regional records, but his his name is Bernie, <laughs> Blake, and it was called Bob and Bernie. And so uh, really, only like tri-state area would know him. But that's definitely where like the creative aspect would come. But then he was definitely more businessman-esque. And then my brother, he's actually he's an actor as well. I I performed with him a bunch growing up, and we kind of you know always were making home videos. And he lives in Chicago, and he's um, he's a, a playwright, and actually has done several plays, and was a part of a, a theater group called the Neo Futurists um, in Chicago, and was the um, artistic manager uh, of that the artistic director of that theater for a while. So me and him definitely, I think, uh, I have a lot of the creativity uh, as far as family-wise. And I have another brother and sister that aren't into it at all.
0: <laughs> How <do> you <laughs> obviously, theater and improv, it all starts out as a recreation. It's just something you're doing for fun. How does it eventually go from a recreation to something you wanted to pursue as a career?
1: Yeah, you know, it kind of it, it happened for me at least. I actually I, I got married really young. Um, I married my uh, the girl I was dating in high school. We're actually high school sweethearts. I don't think I would have done it without her because it just takes so much, just moxie and balls to kind of just sell everything and move to LA. And uh, she really backed me up on that. I think I would have maybe even tried to just be like, oh, I don't know, you know, second city would be maybe where I would have um, decided to try and, and see what happened from there, but but it was through her kind of where I was like let's just go for it let's just let's just try and 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 we'll sell everything move to LA and give it like as many years as we can afford and uh and do it and i think that's what kind of separates the two it's just when you just literally choose to do it and go for it and just say you know what who cares about failure i'm going to at least say that i had the story of trying <laughs>
0: so how old were you when you moved to LA that
1: would have been. i was 20 i just turned uh or i was 21 yeah
0: so yeah, you're 21, dude. you're a Midwesterner, you're moving to L.A.
1: Oh, and everyone freaked out, like, like literally, because this would have been before my brother officially moved to Chicago. I had been training there, but um, yeah, I'm like the only one, literally in like maybe three generations of my family, <laughs> <laughs> to leave Ohio.
0: Well, you leave Ohio, you don't just leave Ohio, you leave Ohio for a place that must seem like the most foreign place in the world.
1: Exactly. It's so true. It is. It was. It was. We had visited. Well, luckily, you know, like I said, I, I I did move to Chicago for a little bit. So I had a little bit of a, of a, you know, like middle ground as far as feeling it. But man, it was intense. I mean, like as far as just even how much things cost. And I just remember freaking out about how expensive everything was. And, and then, you know, it is. You're just you, you can't afford much when you get there. So. You know, we didn't really like where I grew up. I mean, it sounds great. You know, you just don't have homeless people. (laughs) I mean, it's like that. you're really at that basic level of complete difference in life.
0: Right. You have no idea, no no idea what's going on. So you're in L.A. You're just 21 years old. What were some of the early obstacles that you encountered when you first moved out there?
1: Having no money. We lived in a Holiday Inn in Panorama City for like three weeks, which was so crazy expensive because no one would rent to us because, you know, man, you have to have a job to get a place, you know, a place to a house or the or place to rent um, an apartment. And, and then um, we couldn't get an apartment without a job. And so it was that back and forth where no one would hire us um, or no one would, you know, no one would rent to us. And so finally we met someone that uh, she was like this young, she had these little, it was a total studio apartment. Like I think it was like 400 square foot. And uh, she was willing that – she said if we could cover three months' rent, she would rent to us. And that was like the biggest hurdle. And then from there, I I was doing freelance graphic design and I got on game shows. I started (laughs) (laughs) – I was answering ads to get on game shows. I got on Street Smarts, which was just like game show on Game Show Network or whatever. And I made like three grand on it. Um, because I became a contestant. Then I got like on Hollywood Squares. <laughs> and I was doing all of this before I was ever actually just trying to make money because I literally, I think that's the, the hardest obstacle is just keeping afloat and, uh, and and being able to pay the
0: rent every month. It's in, insane. Three grand is so much money to people involved <laughs> doing improv.
1: Oh, oh, no. I was like, I felt like, I mean, like I think I was arrogant about it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I got twenty-seven hundred dollars now. <laughs> I just meant, I just thought it was awesome.
0: Mom, I just want to let you know I've made it. I was on Street Smarts. <laughs> no, it was. That's what's
1: so sad because every actor. is So, I mean, all of us deep down are just trying to earn the love of our family for the decisions we've made. <laughs> and so you end up like seriously being like, oh, you gotta watch it. I'm hilarious. Maybe I'll get discovered. <laughs>
0: and I like way too annoying before we get into your uh, your new show hello ladies tell me about one of your shows beforehand studio 60 and working with aaron sorkin
1: yeah man that was that was awesome just because where i was at career wise i had done a bunch of commercials that was commercials were kind of the 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 gateway for me as far as getting my foot in the door and um and yeah that was the first time where i you know i was with a very small theatrical agent as far as for for television. They didn't even have a film department. And you know, just to get an audition for that large of a project at the time was was really, really cool. But I auditioned for it like Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Like that was the whole thing is I was a kind of at this place in my career where um, you know, my background was all sketch comedy. And then the show was coming along where it was literally sketch comedy and drama at the same time. And so we got really excited and um, yeah, so when I went in, I did a bunch of characters and all that. and um, and uh, even though that's what's funny is the project tended to you know change so much as we got deeper and deeper into it that they ended up not using any of us in that sketch way um, as far as uh, our ideas or anything. But it was a it was a it was an amazing process in the way of uh, he's he's it's intense. like it's like Shakespeare in the way that you all have scripts script soupies that are correcting every word and, uh, and uh, the clout that it was, was really uh, overwhelming for me. Cause I, I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't really done that much television, let alone drama, let alone, you know, the, the quality that they, they were matching. I feel like they were like maybe like West wing and stuff like that was the beginning of what HBO ended up becoming where it's just high quality television and they're putting in the hours to make it that.
0: What kind of notes would Sorkin give you? Would you would you ever try to improvise and he'd be like, I don't think so.
1: No. That's what's so funny is is he shut that stuff down so quickly. Like, uh and that was cool, you know, I mean, I, you came into it thinking this was such a great skill. And in hindsight, I uh you know, I, I was bummed about it sometimes, but but it was such a great it's such a great lessons to learn as an actor that early on that you learn to, to do the words and, and you learn to get the words right and you learn to give exactly what was given. And I mean, nothing was worse than blowing a take because you said, I'm doing something. And he said, no, it's doing. I don't want you to say doing. I want you to say doing, you know, like things like that <laughs> happen quite a bit. I mean, and not just to me, to all of us, you know, because we're all a bunch of comedians um, you're, and we were trying, you know, giving this giving this performance. Um, but it was good. It was a great set. Like everyone was in on it. Like everyone was in to make, we knew what we were signing up for when we started. And so, uh, so the long hours and the big shots, those walking, those walking talks, man. I mean, you would you would do a five minute shot and I'd be the last line at the end of it. And nothing is worse than that moment when you mess up the walk and talk <laughs> after they've been doing a seven minute scene and you have to come in and be like, hey, what's up, Matt? <laughs> okay, <the whole> take. <laughs>
0: Matthew Perry, of course, was the star of that show, and he eventually got you on Mr. Sunshine. I imagine that connection helped you out there. Now, your first job, like your first Studio 60, it's like your first big gig. It's a big break. I imagine you're just happy to be there. Mr. Sunshine, you had done more stuff. You're on another network show. Matthew Perry, I think, was one of the creators of that show. Did you feel the the pressure of that show when you were on the set? Was it a different tone from just being there for the first time?
1: Yeah, you know— it, it, with when you approach television, it, it, you try to stay away from you know the pressure aspects, especially comedy. It's all just about creating this environment. I will say, one, I was amazingly thankful. Matt Matt really reached out and was just amazing. We actually did another show together on Showtime called End of Steve, and uh, that was in between the two. Um, and it was just a pilot. It didn't get it. It didn't didn't end up getting picked up. But then he brought me from End of Steve to Mr Sunshine. So one, just being thankful, but then also it was just a chemistry thing. I think we, we worked well together. He, he had so much pressure on that show and that's what, that's what's hard is you're trying to, I think as a supporting actor, be just that you're, you're trying to support, you're trying to not be a problem and, and hit the lines and hit everything. When you have, you know, uh, he's writing, he's, he wasn't directing at the time, but he was, you know, making a lot of the producer decisions. Um, but yeah, I think once you start falling into uh, thinking about the, the stress or the pressure of what you do, you, you're you going to ruin your performance. You just got to go and have fun and just let it be and be like, eh, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> it's I'm just trying to be funny with what I've been given and, and I'll just go from there and ignore anything else.
0: It's crazy hearing like, oh, Matthew Perry shot a pilot that didn't get picked up and i think about that all the time and all the actors that have come on they talk about all these pilots that never go and i just think you know for young actors looking to break in think about like that matthew perry shoots a pilot and doesn't get picked up matthew broderick this year had a pilot didn't get picked up and show creators like bill lawrence can't get his pilot picked up who do you have to be to get a television show on the air no
1: isn't it's it's like scary like i've always said it's kind of how the recession hit hollywood um, you know, like it, because it, it all happened at the same time. It's like people stop saying no to things, and so um, you have all of the film actors who maybe had competition in film and weren't getting the offers. Then these giant names start going to television. Then television, their their quality starts going crazy. That now, I mean, it's insane. And you're right. I mean, the year that I got that I got Hello Ladies, it was like. I auditioned. Eddie Murphy had a had a show. Uh, They were they got they got John Goodman and Roseanne Barr back to do a show. And that didn't get picked up. And you're just like, yeah, it's uh, I kind of I kind of just close my eyes in the way. One, I'm just crazy thankful to be working at any point, let alone then when it's a show that you actually mesh with comedically you know as a, as a you know it's still a job but sometimes you get on shows that maybe it's not a show you necessarily watch you know but um that's what's so amazing is when you get those opportunities but it has become hard it's it's definitely i can't imagine trying to start out right now like i mean and it's not like i'm that far down the road but i just that's it that seems impossible i don't even know how you would break in because even commercials now everyone's doing everyone's getting um you know more of a spokesman type rather than trying to discover new well
0: let's shift over to hello ladies tell me about the show the part and how it came to be for you
1: yeah I man. well yeah first off it's it's with Stephen merchant and uh a lot of the office guys uh lee and, and gene they both worked on um office and, and i know that that's how Stephen had met him i think it was specifically like the first like five or so years of the office um and they had met through steven's uh he did a stand-up act and HBO got interested. You know, they've worked with Steven several times in the past and it was one of the, uh, that was, I mean, it's crazy to say, and I'm not just saying it cause I'm on the show. It was my favorite television project that hit my favorite pilot I read for. And when you get in that situation, you're just excited to get the audition by no means. Was it like an offer or anything? I had to fight for it. And, I went in a couple times and a couple times just flat out improvised with Steven. And then you go through the testing rounds with HBO watching. And um, and yeah, luckily, it, when it came down to it, I, I was able to snag the role. And, it, and like I said, it was it was like if there was a show that I wanted to be on I, with the, from the minute I heard about it, um, let alone read it. I, I was like, oh, man, I really want this thing. <laughs> and so I'm, I was just really happy to be a part of it in any way.
0: So when you're auditioning and you keep going on more auditions for more producers and studio executives, they're obviously doing that with other actors as well. Do you know who you're competing against or fighting for that part with?
1: Yeah, most of it, like in the beginning stages, you're you're actually just sitting in the room with each other. And it was, you know, like I you get to know specifically your types. Like, you know, I I run into Josh Gad a lot. T.J. Miller, I did She's Out of My League. <laughs> I run into him. We're pretty good friends, actually. Um, And Josh, actually, I, you know, you, you actually on the, on the guy side, I think we grow to, you know, it's, it's not, it's not competitive because once you're in it long enough, you realize you're all bringing something great. And unless you truly mess up the audition yourself, then you're screwed. Then it's like, yeah, that's my fault, but you gotta be able to let it go and be like, you know, it's going to be a, a look thing. Uh, Maybe I'm too big. Maybe I'm too small. Maybe I have blue eyes. They want brown eyes. It really does get that picky when you get to those levels um, because there's a lot of talent. And so you kind of just try to separate yourself. But all that to say, to get back to your question, HBO, though, when I got to testing, they, they went like all out trying to make sure we did not see each other. Like I was put in some far off room in the HBO (laughs) offices and then I waited for my time and then walked out and there were I knew there were two other guys. I sincerely have yet to know who those other two men were. (laughs) I have no idea, but, uh, but I know through the, you know, through the process, a couple of names that went out for it. And so it was exciting to get it
0: a lot can change in the development of a show. How close to the show uh, that we're seeing on the air now do you feel like you signed up for?
1: Yeah, you know, that's one of the hardest parts specifically on a show where there's improvising um, or that's allowed because that's what Stephen and and Lee and Gene, they really do create a, a safe environment where we do a lot on the page and then we always have the takes where it's like, oh, this is leading somewhere, but... No matter what, man, you're screwed to 27 minutes or, you know, 24 minutes. And uh, that's always hard is it's like because your story has to have first and foremost, you know, you have to tell a story in 27 minutes. And so I think as I watch it, that's the one thing is like, man, it's so weird because where does story meet just humor? You know, you have these lines and, and these conversations that came out that were so funny and yet they can't live within the story because there's just not enough time. And so that's always hard, but but it always is. Editing is, I think, the hardest part of any actor because they're choosing, you never know what take they're choosing. You know that you gave a great take, but what was the other person? What was the lighting like? What was this like? Um, and so, uh, so it's never exactly how you, you end up planning it to be. But I'm happy with it. I think that it still reads. It still has so much chemistry involved. It's just... Um, I will say with Steven too, not to make this the longest answer possible, <laughs> but, but with Steven, he has a tendency that if we hit something that's gold and it doesn't make editing, he brings it back around and we'll put it in a different, in a different episode. And that's really cool. Like you feel like, oh, if something doesn't make it through editing, we're going to take that idea and insert it somewhere else.
0: I feel like you have to do that. I feel like writers have to do that. You have to recycle jokes, especially ones that don't air. If no one aired it, it's still a good joke.
1: That's exactly it. And you have to live in it. And usually what's even cooler is when you revisit it, it ends up being even funnier. Just because, not that you've had time to sit on it, but but it's just you're expounding on it. And you're, you're even thinking about it in different ways. And it always, that stuff just keeps the set alive too. It keeps energy up and you're just having a fun time then.
0: How does doing a show on HBO compare to doing a show on a network?
1: You know I I've, I've been asked that a lot and it's funny like it reminds me a lot of Studio 60 like it, it's it there is when uh, it's funny one of uh one of it would actually have been uh, Kevin Wiseman's agent came on the show he plays Kivas on the show and walked on the set and he's like wow this is pretty intense of an environment for a comedy and and that's because it is because of the quality level like when you're just trying to get these beautiful shots done, there's a film-esque feel to it. And also we're playing a lot with emotions on our show. It's kind of a roller coaster of pathos that we're trying to create and hopefully creating. Um, And so you can walk on the set and even though it's a comedy, it's a real still moment and it's a real anxious moment as far as what they're trying to do. So that's what reminded me a lot of Studio 60, where even though unlike Mr. Sunshine maybe or some of the other sitcoms I've, I've gotten to be on where it's all about just having fun, you are trying to have this overwhelming artistic side to it too. And I love that stuff. Like I I really enjoyed the challenge of, of trying to do that.
0: Hey, I want to mix it up a little bit. Tell me about your worst audition experience.
1: Oh, man. There's a lot of them. <laughs> the, um, there was... <laughs> I was uh, I was auditioning for a Disney TV show, and I I was playing a caveman. Like I mean, it was it was just <laughs> it, like I was I I was so young. That's what's funny. I got there when I was twenty one, but I looked you know seventeen. I still look uh, you know a little younger than what I am. Very um, whatever Ralph Macchio <laughs> I, mean, I got, but uh, but anyway, I'm playing this caveman, and I'm supposed to freak out because there's fire and. And unlike most times where you're reading with another actor, the casting director decided to read with me. And I don't know how it happened, but I was acting like I was scared of the fire. And I slapped her like right in the face. Oh my God. (laughs) Like I was like screaming, like being crazy, like wacky. And the audition just stopped. And I went, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she went, Yeah, you need to learn to control your body movements.
0: (laughs) And And that was it?
1: The audition just stopped and I had to leave.
0: (laughs) You know, sometimes people come on, they tell me about these stories, their worst audition, then they get the part. I can't imagine you got the part.
1: I I don't think I ever went out for Disney-like again. (laughs) But that's... (laughs) Because like, I was already like, oh, I'm kind of scared to, you know, go that route anyway.
0: Yeah, you mentioned all, all the sketch and the improv background, and then doing Studio 60. Did you ever audition for SNL?
1: That was, you know, there was a there was a choice, and it would have been, I um I was doing the Capital One commercials with David Spade, and then that actually got me into that world of uh I had, I not, and I'm not name dropping. It was just it kind of opened a door for me with Adam Sandler, um where then we were sincerely thinking about going out for Saturday Night Live, and there was talk because they were looking for a bigger guy. You know, I'm a bigger guy. It would have been when Bobby was auditioning, and that was the same year they were doing Studio 60. And so I I kind of made the choice to do Studio 60, which, you know, in hindsight, you know, you never know what was right or wrong, I guess. Studio, I mean, obviously, Studio 60 didn't continue on, but from Studio 60, I got Get Smart then. And uh, that's where, you know, you start to be like, well... The goal of Saturday Night Live is hopefully to branch out and do movies and I was doing them, but uh but yeah, all of that to say I never actually followed through with the actual audition. Um, but uh but yeah, that was when we were really
0: talking about it. it was like in I think it was oh seven. Tell me about the short you made. We think Nate Torrance oh, is dead.
1: That's awesome that you know about that. I uh I I was in the middle of it was actually right after I got Hello Ladies, we had this gi ju- we had a huge um we weren't starting production for like six months, uh, just with how how it landed, where we knew we were picked up. and contractually, I'm just not allowed to do that much when you're when you're waiting for production. And so um
0: wait, so, so yeah, you got I, he- wait, you got hello, ladies, and then you didn't start shooting for six months? Yes, it was crazy. Are you getting paid in that six months?
1: No, you're not paid. and 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 the thing is is it's like you can do film, but you can't do anything. You can't do television. Everything has to be um, kind of approve. They have to, you know, you have to call HBO and basically get their approval for it. And, uh, and the problem is, is film right now is just so hard besides like indie stuff. You can't get larger roles just because, you know, they're, they're, everyone's taking offers. They're not even auditioning for them. And then with independent roles, because schedules changed so much, no one was willing to, because I knew I had to start work. They're like, eh, you know we don't know when production is going to start and stop so it's a little bit of a risk so it's kind of in just this this mode it was it was actually about 3 months of the 6 months that I got stuck and so i was like i got to do something and so um i uh, i was in colorado and uh, i was like i'm just going to try to think up an idea that i can do something all by myself for as cheap as possible and uh, and so, yeah, so I, I made this little short where it's basically it's a, it's a found footage, It's a little cliche in that idea. But I'm pretty proud of it because it's complete minimalism. But it's the story as if someone finds my cell phone and watches the last few videos and realizes it's the last 24 hours of my life. Um, and I die at the end of it, obviously. <laughs> so I made, I made a movie of me dying. That's but, great. But it's actually kind of scary. It, it, it's done well. I won. I won a little. Uh, I won best short at the LA Indie Fest, and then it's you know it's played at a couple places and got honorable mention and stuff like that. But it cost me
0: fifty bucks. It cost you fifty bucks to make.
1: Fifty bucks to make, and and that's what was weird. Like I I've been in like these short runs because I've done I've gone to a couple of the fests then. And it's pretty cool when you're up against like a short that costs like 75 grand and then it goes to mine. And It literally I bought – because at the end I do this wicked like dance scene as an angel. So I bought in the snow and I bought these angel wings and I do it like basically without a shirt and stuff like that. It's just like this huge dance music video. And that was the budget of my movie was just the angel
0: wings and the halo. The angel wings. Now what did you shoot it on?
1: Just my phone iPhone and I used the FaceTime camera so I could frame myself. And then I was able to, I converted it and blew it up to like, it. I have an in Blu-ray and it held pretty well. Like I had to play play a little bit with my frames, my FPS a little bit, but I was able to get it where it, it holds pretty well on a big screen. I was, it doesn't pixelate. So I was pretty impressed.
0: Is writing, creating your own pilots, creating movies, writing features, is that something you're interested in or doing, pursuing it all?
1: Yeah, you know, I've written written a couple screenplays, but, you know, no, no action. It's hard to get screenplays right now, anything made without having the cast in place. So, you know, our whole idea is I have actually two that no one's read. And I, you know, I mean, the whole idea is hopefully that Hello Ladies catches or another project catches, and then and then we go out hard on on, on pitching a couple of things that maybe people would want to see me in in a, in a larger role in. So those are my little Easter eggs. Those are my little nest eggs that hopefully one day I'll get to break out. But I do. I have total interest in that as well.
0: Obviously, hindsight being 2020, but looking at your career now and the decisions you made, is there anything you would do differently?
1: No, I wouldn't. I mean, a lot of people bring up the siren life aspect with me, um, who know the story. Um, but even that, it's like because the truth is, in that moment of my life, I had actually I was I just had a baby. We just bought a new house and we were remodeling, and it was you know it just wasn't the right time to be moving to New York again. Not that there was an offer by any means. But um, but Studio 60 had offered. And uh, and so that one I'm great with. And I love my commercial background. You know, I mean, I didn't know anyone when I moved out here. And so it's funny how a lot of famous people get the door open because they're, they're, they're friends of friends of friends of somebody. And so I'm pretty proud that I got to work up through the ranks of commercials to co-stars, to guest stars, to TV, and then gotten a couple t- movies and, and now getting, you know, more regular work in television, especially HBO. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm extremely proud of that because coming from the comedic background, um, there's a high clout level that you have to hit that, that I'm, I'm, I'm proud and, and humbled to, to be asked to be a part of.
0: It's funny that there could have been this, like, dilemma between SNL and Studio 60. Obviously, when you're doing improv and sketch, SNL is so much just, like, what you think of, and it's a goal. But once you're on SNL, the goal is to be doing a show like Studio 60, is to be That's getting exactly. another show.
1: And and also, their contracts are really heavy. It's like seven years for—it's like—and then they own everything. And again, no dissing, it, you know, because you're just trying to—man, uh, you're just thankful to be working. But those were the, some of the things that I was playing out. Where I'm like uh, that idea of man, this is what I would assume you try to get after Stiz. you know. And and yes, there are the success stories, the amazing, the Will Ferrells, the, you know, Bill haters, uh, you know, they transition so well. But that's not everybody, you know. That's 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 two out of you know every every couple every couple seasons you see someone rise. Um, and so, anyway, so that's where a lot of the decision came from.
0: I imagine the pay as a series regular on a network show like Studio 60 is significantly higher than the pay on SNL.
1: That's the other thing. I wasn't at it because that was – when I started Studio 60, I was actually just a guest star and had to earn getting top a show and all of that. But they had already – they had said after – after episode three, I would I would be looked at for that graduate, you know, but it wasn't confirmed. And so it was nice that I didn't make top a show on Studio 60 and stuff like that. And even though we went 19 episodes or 20, they went 20, they went 22 and I was a part of 19 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like I said, then the last three episodes of Studio 60, I, I was filming Get Smart at the same time. And then Get Smart had a spinoff movie that I was also doing called Bruce and Lloyd with uh, Out of Control with Masioka. So it was, a, it was a really energetic time in my life. And so at that moment, I, was, I never doubted it once, you know.
0: So you moved out to L.A. from the Midwest. You moved out from Cleveland or, or from Chicago, I guess, when you were 21 years old. You wanted to be a working actor. You became a working actor. Is being a working actor what you expected it to be?
1: Yeah, You know, it's definitely something that I, I, you have to cut. It's, there's stress. There's anxieties, you know. It's, it it has its ups and downs. It has. I think the hardest part about tr- being a working actor is there is no schedule and there's no guarantees. You are a freelance through and through. And after every job, you got to do it all over again. And um, and the idea of offers anymore, unless you already made it, is kind of obsolete. It's you're working through the auditions. You're you're hoping the the. The casting director that's doing the project you want you have relationship with and someone fame more famous doesn't want your role and so those are those are you know those are a little bit harder but man it's it's the best i I go back to like that idea of just the i you know making people laugh and doing something that you love how can you ever complain about it And, and 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 in hindsight i would be doing graphic design and going to second city at night trying to get stage time somewhere if i didn't do this and so to have it flipped on the other side is is pretty much a huge blessing
0: you've been listening to nate torrance nate is an actor and comedian who's currently starring on hbo's hello ladies nate thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today
1: thank you